So I've had a couple of weeks off. I took some time off and now it's game time, bitches. <laughs> I took a few weeks off my podcast, right? Because I kind of batch did the first six episodes when I was in a very like similar headspace. Um, and because they were all very chronological, I kind of wanted to just give myself a few weeks to see how the, the ones that I had recorded kind of received publicly, see what people like about them, just kind of get a bit of a, a reaction and a reception from people before I decided how I'm going to approach the final three. So we're on to episode seven of the What Happened Next podcast. Now this one is, is like I said, a bit more a tricky one. Um, because it's less chronological and it's a bit more reflective and it's kind of maybe going to bring a few things to the surface that are a bit personal and kind of sum up some of the themes and events that I've learned on this journey. Um, Side note, I'm still smashing these arm workouts. I wish you could feel my biceps right now because I've actually got biceps to feel. My arms have always some my arms are something that I've always been really insecure about. Um just because my legs have been fucking sick. Um and my arms have never felt like I've matched up, but that is partly mostly my fault because I love working out legs. Um and I hate working upper body, so I've always been happy with like a tennis player aesthetic. Um but I'm trying to build my upper body a little bit. And that was a terrible slap. There we go, that's better. That stung a little bit. That was nice. Um, but yeah, my arms, man. I've got a nice little nice little P of a bicep on my right arm. Anyway, before this descends into something that it definitely shouldn't be. <laughs> Just me feeling myself. <laughs> this is episode seven of the What's Happened Next podcast. Now, this podcast is in association with iPlaySafe, a secure and verified way to find out and share your STI status with a partner. Now, I am so thankful for iPlaySafe for believing in me In from day one. The team are just incredible, incredible. And I do genuinely, you know that I don't back other people and other causes and other uh, companies because I unless I believe in them and I really do believe in what I play safe and everyone there are doing and doing so well as well which is encouraging safe healthy responsible and unliberated attitudes towards sex because confident sex is the best sex so let's get into episode seven now that we have got a little intro out of the way cue the music so, so um, we're going to talk a little bit about my approach on dating apps. Now, you may have noticed the past few weeks, if you've been following my Instagram or my TikTok, that I've started to kind of bring up a little bit of awareness around issues that are not around HIV and not sexual health and kind of talking more about, I guess, ethics and morals. Um of just dating and life and society and stuff because it's a really it's a really strange thing for me to go through into this journey because before I became public with my status right I wasn't really particularly involved in any kind of queer community I didn't have a lot of mates that were queer um, and I just was very out of the out of the zeitgeist with it and so especially now with this whole TikTok persona and profile especially now with this whole TikTok profile being really public and having a bit more of a well a lot more of a uh, act to other people in the community I'm getting a much more much more broader sense of the community and especially with people that are listening to my content on TikTok and DMing me on Insta and stuff it's very interesting to understand how the community works now to me it is like a bit of an alien world it's it's crazy for me um 
and there's an awful lot about it that like i said i'm trying to kind of raise a bit of conversation about because there's an awful lot to me that looks like could do to be improved or changed or reflected upon um because i do think that a generation of kids growing up with grinder is a very a very serious and potentially damaging thing um but we'll get into we'll get into that probably another another time i don't really want to spend my podcast talking about that issue right now but going on to dating apps um so I, I don't have dating apps myself. Now, I have had spats with them in the past. I've met a couple of pe- people on them. I've actually met a, a mate or two from dating apps. Um, and I f- was flirting with dating apps right up until the autumn last year. Um, that lad that I wasn't particularly keen on. Oh, I'm yawning. Sorry. It's Thursday night. I've got my face mask on. Um, it's a wonderful avocado face mask. Um, I... N- and I am incredibly chilled. My candles lit, um, and I'm a little bit sleepy, apparently. But this is this is quite nice. It's like it's like bedtime, bedtime listening, bedtime. Well, maybe it might be the morning for you, but for me, it's bedtime. Um, but yeah, no, I had day naps all the way up until the end of last year, um, autumn time. And that lad that I didn't particularly like, I. That I met on a dating app, but basically, what spurred me to because I I was talking to that lad on Tinder and Hinge and then WhatsApp and then we didn't really do anything until I deleted dating apps and then decided to message him and then we went out for a date and then dated for three months. Yada yada yada. But the reason why I eventually deleted dating apps and the reason why I ended up taking the bullet to bite him. To bite in the bullet to see him because I didn't have dating apps anymore, which I think is a wonderful thing because I think if you have dating apps, you're just constantly stuck in some kind of cycle of picking the next people and you don't actually give yourself the chance to actually, you know, be with the person that's at the front of your queue. Do you know what I mean? Like you're too focused on the next steps and what's coming afterwards to appreciate what you've got in front of you. But the reason the reason I deleted dating apps is because I got massively catfished, right? Massively, massively catfished. Um, and I was talking to the guy on Hinge, which I didn't expect to get catfished on Hinge. Like, there's some commitment to, to catfish people on Hinge, right? Tinder, completely agree. Like, if it's you know a, a, no, a faceless profile, I would not would not have even swiped right for it. Grinder, don't trust it within an inch of my life. Didn't when I had it. It was if your Insta isn't linked, it's I need your Insta within the first three texts. Otherwise, this ain't good anywhere. And I will message you on. Instagram be like, is this you on Grinder? Because I had that so many times on Grinder where like the only boys that I'd be attracted to would be catfishes and it just it just wastes your time. It wastes your time. But I got catfished on Hinge, which was really fucking annoying because again, it was a really fucking good looking lad, and I was like, no way is this lad into me. Oh my god, like he's gorgeous. Me finding someone that I'm attracted to is is so hard to come by, and me finding someone that I'm attracted to on a dating app is even harder to come by. So the idea that I just found it and it had landed in my lap was too good to be true. Um I was talking to this guy for about a week, trusting in him implicitly. Didn't think anything of it because I I didn't never had any hinge catfishing stories. Um, I thought I was safe. I thought I was out the woods. Oh my god! Uh, basically, eventually some things were adding up, and I over the like the last couple of days that we were chatting, I eventually put pieces together and realised that he was very reluctant to. Um, give me his socials because we were texting at that time. We I, we were texting pretty much like the, the day after we matched on Hinged or what, like it's on Hinged or whatever. Um, and yeah, so we were texting loads. We were texting loads. Um, but his number didn't show up anything on Snapchat. It didn't show up anything on any socials. I couldn't find his number anywhere. And I was like, this is really dodgy. Um, and eventually I confronted him about it, and he kind of was like, yeah, like you know, 
lol, it's not me. So I went skits, like absolutely skits, and then just didn't didn't reply. Didn't reply for like a couple of days, obviously. And then I eventually, I just thought nothing of it. I was just a bit upset, but I didn't, I, I kind of went off on him at first and then decided that there wasn't, I was just wasting my breath because this guy was obviously just doing it to get a reaction. So there wasn't really any any benefit in me kicking off at this guy because it wasn't the first time that he'd done it clearly probably and it probably wasn't gonna be the last time either and basically I left it and just decided to it was a real it was a real learning curve for me because it was very much I could have gone full villain mode and you know just being a bit of a prick about it and I had his personal details his phone number you know what I mean and I was just like nah CBA um they eventually messaged me a few days later with this massive textbook apology um, that wasn't actually textbook. It was actually quite nice looking back. But at the time, I was like, it didn't mean anything. It didn't erase anything that he'd done. And he basically said sorry because he'd looked me up and he was... Because obviously I was being myself and I was uh, just, you know, me. Um, I was very open about me being me. Um, and he basically looked me up and said he how sorry he was because... I'm actually doing something good for the community, um, in his opinion. I'm really trying to actually do something good just for the general. Um, and so he just kind of apologised for treating me like that because I shouldn't be treated like that. And I was like, bro, I'm well fucking aware that I shouldn't be treated like that, but it's a bit too late now, isn't it? Because you have done, like, you know, whatever whatever you were doing was... I, well, yeah, I absolutely, it, it wasn't... Um, I wasn't deserving of it, but also it's just a bit of a dick move in general, like to do to anyone, regardless of whether I deserved it because of what I'm doing or not. Like no one deserves to be catfished. Um, and so eventually I blocked his number after like kind of just being like, it's sound, like let's smooth it out. Um, but this is, that was a real learning curve again. And this, uh, for me in terms of dating apps, and like I said, I, I just... It really took the last bit of fun out of dating apps for me. Um, you know, it's one of those things where dating apps are one of the few places that I could introduce myself as myself to someone. Like, dating was already so hard. It was and already is so hard because I don't have the chance to introduce myself as myself anymore. Um, it's just Jay who's got HIV and there's already so much attached to that now. Um and basically, it just gets a bit draining, man. It gets a bit sad because there are some times where I just want to meet someone and just have them see me, but without HIV in there. Um, and unfortunately, with things being online and things being everywhere now, that never happens. And I'm, I, I've had to reluctantly come to terms with the fact that anyone that I want to date with in the future is obviously going to have so much information about me before they get to meet me and I'm not going to be able to introduce myself as myself and that might sound like a really silly thing to be upset about and I can't believe that it's making me so upset as it is now I'm really trying to hold it together but I'm not um it's it's late at night like don't judge me for this <laughs> I'm getting upset fucking hell um but it's so lonely, man. It's so lonely. And even when there's more information out there, it, it it's harder to be understood. Like, the last thing that I want is someone that I'm potentially romantically interested in in the future to be able to give, be given, like, a full storybook and previously on Jay. Like, I want to introduce myself as myself. I want just want the ability to 
just make a good first impression with someone, right? And just make someone laugh and charm someone and surprise someone and just make someone swoon. And I, I don't get any of that anymore. People just assume they know me. And a lot of the time on the internet, people judge me for that. But even the people that don't judge me or do judge me and decide that they still want to get to know me, they it, it's still not my choice. It's still something that I don't get to do anymore. And so this this whole catfish situation really... I, it really hit me hard because dating apps were the last place, like I said, pretty much the only place, aside from meeting someone in real life, where I could just be a stranger and I could be a, no one anonymous to an extent and no one knows who I am. And I just get to be myself without all this baggage. And... This catfish person had just, in my eyes, completely took that away from me. They'd taken all my faith in dating apps. All my trust in dating apps had gone because, like I said, I don't talk to that many people. I don't date that many people. I I, I rarely, rarely do any of that shit. Um, and so for me to actually do it, start to like someone, and then all of a sudden find out they were a fake person was just a bit of a kick in the nuts, mate. Um, and that's something that hasn't been the only time where that's happened unfortunately like it's been the only time where it's happened with dating but I've had plenty of times where shit like that's gone down with mates it's it's normally unfortunately it's normally resulting in blocking situations like I've had quite a few mates in the past couple of years where I've met them online and I've just started talking to them and then we we get along quite well and we start like going for drinks or we start going for coffee or we just start being mates and just ringing each other and whatever and then all of a sudden out the blue it's happened like three times like I'll just try and text them and then I just the text won't go through and I'm like and I'll go to the Insta and their Insta just won't be there. And I'm like, and I'll go to my, I'll go on like another Insta account and look them up and they're there. And I'm like, why the fuck have they just blocked me out of the blue? I had that with a guy I was talking to last year sometime. Um, he lived in London and we were, I think I only saw him the one time. I was going to see him the second time, but he bailed. Um, but we were talking, we were texting for like months and we became like, all right, pals in my eyes. And he was going through some shit with his boyfriend at the time. And, you know, I, I don't know if there was maybe a little bit, nothing ever happened with us between us. And there was never any pictures, was never any chat or anything, but uh, I considered him someone that could be a pal. Like I'm really introverted and I don't reply to that many people. The pressure that I get and the audience that I have is, is a lot for me. And I get so many messages that I just don't have the mental capacity to reply to because it takes me enough to reply to my mates and to be just on the ball with everything online. So much of it is online. I hate it. And so the idea that my friendships have to be online as well is something that really puts me off. And so I'm so reluctant to talk to people online. And even though the messages are often the sweetest thing, it can be really intimidating still. But the few chances that people do break through my shell and it there's no kind of formula for how people break break through my shell it just kind of happens like it will just be someone will send me a message and i'll just be in the headspace and then wildfire we hit it off and i've got a new mate and i don't even have to, I don't even have to second guess it it's just intuition it's gut instinct all the way but for me to do that and get through that and then actually have a bit of trust and faith and enjoyment and enjoy someone's company and then all of a sudden i just get ghosted and blocked without a without a explanation or without a I don't want to talk anymore mate just with nothing like you don't need to explain it to me just tell me you don't want to talk to me anymore like you know it's it's not too much to ask surely um 
but yeah no the internet not not a fun place for me hasn't been a fun place for me for a while really really tricky place um you know and it's it's a it's it's a really tricky thing to to keep doing because there's an awful lot of the internet who have made it very clear very clear that they just see me as a one-hit wonder reliving his trauma story over and over and making HIV his entire personality because I'm working with as many people as I can to tell my story and to talk about my experiences and to give the message of why people should get tested and to, you know, break stigma and to prove that you can be happy and healthy. And people don't seem to realise that, you know, my my personality isn't something that you, you get to see online necessarily. Like uh, the content that I make is the content that has a purpose. And nine times out of 10, that purpose is to talk about HIV and to, like I said, break stigma and just give a bit of education. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult with people constantly telling me that I'm just relying on it and that I've got no talent other than it because I, I, I've got a lot of talent and I was incredibly talented and successful before all of this. And I, I still am. I'm just putting pause on everything else to do this to because it was a really dark thing that happened to me and if I can stop it happening to other people then it's the least I can fucking do is talk about it do you know what I mean I wish someone had talking about it when I um unfortunately had this whole thing happen to me um and then you get the other half of the internet that just seems to think me as some fucking glorified muscle gay which is not a term that i would use to describe myself at all but unfortunately it's definitely a term that i've seen in my comments an awful lot um who's only popular because he works out and he's got a good body and it's like mate do you know how much effort it takes to be me do you know how much effort do you know how much effort and work i put into my body and my mind every single day to make sure that i'm not just looking good but i'm feeling good i don't do it for anyone else i do it for myself i do it for that fucking kid who lost 10 kilograms of weight when he was diagnosed and almost died in the hospital like i just i just want to be my best and i want to improve and i want to just live and just make the most of what i've got and so damn fucking right that involves reading and going to the gym and listening to podcasts and just trying to just better myself and be more because it was a real stark wake-up call for my potential and ambition and for so many people just to be throwing rocks at me just because they can see me doing something it's just annoying man it's just it's just so annoying and it makes this whole process so much difficult uh wow english that degree someone's snoozy it makes this process so much more difficult um and like i don't want to i don't want to go into details about you know just i don't i don't want to talk about much of that like it's just it just feels like there's friendly fire wherever i am like if i'm not being targeted on tiktok for my status i'm being targeted on insta because of my body if i'm being targeted by people in the community it's the strangest thing in the world to make my mission to talk about people to it's the strangest thing to make my mission to talk about issues in our community to talk about sex to talk about mental health to try and do it in a way that is empowering only to be constantly talk only to be constantly called toxic and wrong and uh, prejudiced is one that i get an awful lot um 
you know, I'm well aware that my views are very anti a lot of the gay community, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong. And I'm not telling anyone else that their views are particularly wrong unless they are concrete wrong and it's like nonce or anything. Um, I'm just trying to do my best and I'm just trying to prove... I'm just trying to do my best and I'm just trying to show people that there is an entire spectrum of gender identity and sexuality in our community, not just the loudest voices and the voices that try and make their voices heard the most. One thing that I get called out an awful lot for is the fact that I talk about masculinity and how I can finally be proud of my masculinity and embrace all the things that I hated and resented about myself when I was little and growing up and realized that I was gay and felt like I had to fit like a a gay archetype and so I rejected a lot of my masculinity and I became the gay best friend trope and then I realized that actually I should just be myself and I was putting myself into another box to appease another bunch of people that I still wasn't being myself and so I just want to be myself and can these people accept me? And there's an awful lot of people in the community that don't like that idea, that don't like accepting something that they maybe see as a representation of heteronormative oppression. And it's like, I'm still gay. I've still got a place in the community. I'm just, I'm still, I'm, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I've got no opinion on you whatsoever because it, it's not me. It doesn't concern me. It's you. I'm just saying, I want to be me. You can be you. And, a lot of people in the community seem to think that it only goes one way and you, otherwise you, you're outcasted and you don't deserve a place in it. You know, it, it pisses off an awful lot of people when you embrace who you are. And the idea that me embracing who I am as a gay man pisses off an awful lot of people in our community is something that just really, really... I have a hard time, a hard time understanding... Um, you know, it's it's a really strange thing. It's a really, and you you think that they would understand because they've seen oppression and they've seen resistance from other people, um, and they've seen they've they've been through all this with straight people. So it's like you you create and carve a little place of home, then make it home. But a lot of people don't want it to be home. They want it to be a very carefully orchestrated home. It's not a it's not a home for everyone who doesn't fit into the other box. It's a home for people that only fit into their standards of what this box should be. And then but then you've got an entire other group of people who don't fit into either box. And it's like, well, we're kind of lost between communities because we're we're not accepted fully by straight people. We're not understood, so should I say, because I'm incredibly accepted in straight communities, but I don't feel fully understood in straight communities. And I don't feel accepted in queer communities. That's probably actually the easiest way that I can say uh, to explain that. Um, and it's just if if people people don't see how how much it's taken to become what I've become, right? Is the is the is the kicker? Um, and it's it's even harder when I'm putting so much information online to show people what I've become. And it's like. Bro, like I'm just I've been through some shit. I want to I want to help. I just want to help. Um and people people are so reluctant, so reluctant to just let you chill. And it between us, it would be fine maybe if it was just homophobia or if people just disliked my personality. Um but because I've been doing something so personal with my status, the stigma and direct attacks have just been relentless from day one. And I think that if I'm going to be deadly honest, looking back, 
I do worry that it's done unrepairable damage. So, I just washed my face mask off, had a shower, and I'm still just as relaxed, feeling really nice. Um, there's not much more to say, I think, today, um, talking about the the damage that's been done. It's difficult to go into that kind of thing because, you know, that's one thing that's probably never going to go away and I'm just going to have to adapt to. Um, along with the future of this, which is that the more I talk about these issues, the more resistance I am going to face. And I've noticed that, obviously. I didn't realise it at the time that I was talking about things that were... I, I still don't realise that I'm talking about things that are and can potentially be so divisive. Um, you know, when I talk about... Um, anything HIV related, I always get inundated with the same responses, which is, you know, people demanding that I disclose to partners before sexual encounters and people just really trying to tell me how I should be managing my status and dealing with it, but in a very threatening way, you know, it's people trying to have authority over how I how I live my life and telling me what my moral compass should be. And in all honesty, I think my moral compass is pretty sound. Um, but it's, 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 it's the judgment from people on the internet, you know, it's, oh, well, I hope you're disclosing your status to a partner beforehand. And it's like, well, first of all, you haven't listened to anything that I've ever said ever, because you should know that I talk about that all the time, that I do disclose my status to a partner beforehand, not only because it's respectful and it's what I'd want in that situation, but also because it wouldn't matter to the right partner that I want. And I don't want to be with anyone that would have a problem with my status. Do you know what I mean? Like, why would I want to give my body away to someone who would not want me if I, if they learned I had HIV? But it's, it's, it's silly little things like that from people that clearly do not understand how difficult it is to be on this side of the glass that is just so unnecessary and makes things so difficult and makes this makes this so demanding on my headspace you know um and it, it's one of those things where it really does it's a real factor for the fact that I've got no confidence a lot of the time or should I say I've had no confidence because most of the time I do now I still have my issues and this is something that I'm I'm learning to embrace is that even though at the end of all this and even after all this all of this journey like I still I can be whole, but I can still be learning and I can be whole, but I can still be improving in a certain amount of things, you know, because growth isn't linear. And there's a lot of times where it, it this kind of stuff does get to me. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still living with HIV for the rest of my life. And I'm still dealing with that and someone else's decision to decide that I should have this because they're going to not tell me they have it. And I still have to wake up every day and it's my career to talk to these people who hate me so much for having HIV and demand that I should be this and that because I have HIV and it's hard not for it to creep up into your into your head and it's hard even harder for it to not creep up into your personal life because there's not a part of my life that it hasn't touched and there's not a part of my life in the future that it won't touch you know you talk to your friends about your problems you 
you want your fucking dates to know who you are like you want to disclose your sexual health to people you date like there's it's inescapable it's really inescapable and for something that is so suppressed and so little an issue in myself the fact that in my life it is inescapable and I can't go anywhere without it following me is sometimes just really challenging man and the internet doesn't make it easier doesn't make it easier you know they've really it's 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 done a number on me and it's really maybe just I think that I am just not very likable 